You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. Austin Butler is a winner. He beats me at cards, knows how to cook a wild salmon on the grill, and when we had a dinner every Sunday night for a year when he was filming in London, he always arrived with a new book he was reading, a piece of pottery he just made, or a rare bottle of tequila. We first recorded this podcast in May 2021, but we wanted to play it for you again, in case you hadn't heard it. It is one of my definite favorites, just like Austin. If you like listening to Ruthie's Table 4, would you please make sure to rate and review the podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. My favorite line in this conversation is when Austin Butler refers to his and my relationship as family. Austin arrived here from filming Baz Luhrmann's movie Elvis, playing Elvis himself. London was just out of COVID lockdown, and needing an immediate tradition, we decided to have dinner at my home every Sunday night with the same small group of friends. Austin would turn up early and cook with me, and this is what we did every Sunday for 39 weeks. Austin is a brilliant actor, a beautiful singer, a poet, and a true friend. And Austin is my family. So, Austin, you and I are here in the River Cafe to talk about food, our memories, travel, and a lot more. But maybe we should just start with Australia. I was in Australia for a year and a half, Thelma. I was making Elvis with Baz Luhrmann. Did he have food on set? Did you sit down to meals? Yeah, well, we did this thing. It's I'm realizing it's a very European sort of thing where you have these rolling lunches, which basically means you don't have a lunch break. You eat while you're filming. And I actually kind of like it because it keeps momentum of filming. And so while we were filming, a lot of times it was just, I I was eating for, it was like gasoline. Hmm. You know, I was eating for for energy. I just got to be making the most of this thing while I can. And then when we wrapped, Baz and I were at his house, and there was a small group of us, and it was the night that we wrapped, it was, it was the first time that he and I both sort of were able to go, ah, we did it. You know, we've been working on this for, I've been attached for about two and a half years at that point, maybe three years. He'd been doing this for longer, five or eight years or something. 
and we we just we danced until the sun came up. We just two of you. Yeah, well, we had a little group there, but we we just nice. put on vinyl records right. and we just danced and we ate oysters and we just we just lived life. It was like this feeling of letting our hair down and um and then the sun started to come up. And uh and Baz looked out and he lived across the street from the sea and he said, "Should we go swim in the ocean right now?" And this is the night that we wrapped yeah. the film. And so we both, we were like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we ran across the street and we jumped in the ocean. And it's like five in the morning now and we swam in the ocean. And so the sun's rising and I, and I, I was going to not go that night as well. And I said, I said, Baz, I can't believe I was going to go to sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. And he started singing Nessa Dorma to and me. Then- <laughs> and he goes, no sleep tonight, no sleep tonight. And he starts singing this opera. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really heard that song. And he was yeah. telling me the story of the opera. And then he said, I'll play it for you when we get back to the shore. And he went back to the shore. And I, I kind of took a second for myself in the ocean where it was just me. I just watched the sun rise and I sort of processed all that we had done. And you don't know the final outcome of a film. You, you hope that you, you did everything you possibly could and you gave every bit of your soul. But you don't know how it's going to be received. But at that moment, I just kind of processed all that we had, the work that we had done and, mm. and, and the joy and the love that we put into it. And I sort of had that moment. And then as I sort of slowly walk back to shore, I look at Baz and he's holding a speaker above his head like John Cusack and say anything. And he's playing Nessa Dorma, the, the uh, Pavarotti version. Wow. And it's blaring at like 5.30 in the morning now on the beaches of the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. It was so magical and cinematic. And then we made breakfast. What was that? We, made, we, we looked in the refrigerator and we thought, okay, what could we make? Because he and I both had been working so hard. And there's this thing about filming where you're, there's so many responsibilities that other people end up almost treating you like you're a child in many areas. They walk you to the bathroom. You know, if, you, if, you're, if I say I'm going to go to the trailer, they walk me there to make sure I don't get lost. They, they, they treat you like you can't do anything. And they bring you your food. And so you, you're very spoiled in many ways. But there's something so relieving about that moment when you're finally able to do something for yourself. And, uh, and so he and I, that, that was our moment. We opened the refrigerator and we saw, that, okay, we got eggs, we got asparagus, we got some spinach there, we got some tomatoes, we got some Parmesan cheese, what can we do? And, and so we kind of just made this breakfast and there's uh, these, this loaf of bread and so we cut off bits of this bread and we toasted it and just made this delicious meal. And that's one of the most glorious memories of my life was like after we finished this thing that was so terrifying and daunting and that we gave it everything we could and then... Then we just sat there, and as the morning sun sort of laid down on us and, and ate that breakfast, and it was so glorious. It's, it's about memory, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. about the time. And what about Tarantino? Oh, Did he, God, was amazing. he interested in food? Yeah, yeah. Because he likes food. I remember one night we were, we were doing night shoots, and it was about 3 in the morning. He had this amazing crepe maker come and, and make crepes. And we were eating these amazing crepes, and, and uh, he said, he said, Austin, you know my thing is, I want to give everybody such a good experience on this job that their next job sucks. <laughs> and it was such a wonderful thing. So every every night there would be some new food thing that he would he would organize. So, so you just yeah. had this thing to look forward to. And and the other thing that he did was after every hundred rolls of film, uh, which. Believe it or not, this was the first time I had shot anything on film. 
because everything since I grew up was on digital essentially with every person that I worked with and so that was really special just hearing the sound of the film going through the camera when you're sitting in the car and but every hundred rolls of film you'd throw a party and it would have a theme so you'd have you know grappa would come out and and mm-hmm. so everybody and they'd be singing these songs and or margaritas would come out and he'd have a mariachi band or so every hundred rolls whether it be 10 in the morning or you know three in the morning it was something to look forward to i think that does actually give people a kind of commitment to the person you're working for yeah. you know that they're taking care of you know they're thinking about you they're yeah. recognizing that you you're working hard and that you want to give them something back. It yeah. means a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. When you lived by yourself, you once told me that you chose a house in Los Angeles because it had a pizza oven. Oh, that was what great. What was that like? Yeah. There's this beautiful house that had belonged to Gary Oldman before, and he had built a pizza oven. And uh, I became obsessed with learning how to make the perfect fire in this pizza oven, the specific type of wood and exactly how to lay it. And I got one of those laser temperature gauges so I could make it a thousand degrees and learn how to make the pizza sauce and and the dough and everything. And and it was actually Christmas that I I made the most pizzas, I think. And the first couple kind of came out rough and then and then started to get really into the zone of it and it was amazing to me how you how fast you could cook a pizza. Yeah, in that heat. In, in, a, in that yeah. heat, thirty seconds or forty five yeah. seconds, you could cook a whole pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I or I cooked pizzas for my whole family, and it was such a great experience just getting to feed them, and 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 the special thing of all kind of being around the fire, and and we had this table out there, and it, it sort of looked like the secret garden as well in this backyard, and cooked all these pizzas, and, and then I started getting into other things. I thought, what else can I cook in yeah. this fire? And, there's a restaurant in L.A. called Pache that is in Laurel Canyon that makes this um, salmon on a cedar plank. And so I thought, I want to learn how to make that. And, and uh, so I ended up getting these cedar planks and soaking them in water and putting the salmon on top and seasoning it and sticking it in the wood fire. Did you put it in the wood oven? It came out so incredibly. This is something solitary. When I talked to Michael Caine, he said that he loved to write a book he yeah. liked to garden and he liked to cook because doing a movie, you are surrounded by hundreds of people. You're yeah. surrounded, whatever you're doing, you just described being walked to the bathroom or trying to find yeah. your trail. There's always someone around and that he chose three solitary things that you can do on your own. Yeah. And so it sounds like maybe that cooking was something that you could do without Absolutely, crew, it makes you feel you know? self-sufficient. Yeah, and, and also giving, giving back to yeah. the people that you want to feed. Absolutely. It becomes my love language in a way. I I cook so much for the people around me. I'll look into their eyes when they're eating it and and try to see if they love it as much as they say they do and and I'll try to figure out ways of making it better. It sounds, the way (laughs) you're talking about it, like a performance. Yeah. Do you think there are parallels between... Acting or performing or singing and cooking, looking into people's yeah. eyes and seeing how they are responding to your performance. Absolutely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. 
Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit betterhelp.com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. Betterhelp.com slash Ruthie. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Grilled white peaches with amaretto. Serve six. Six ripe white peaches, one vanilla pod, two tablespoons castor sugar, 120 milliliters amaretto. Preheat oven to 190 degrees Celsius. Heat a grill pan until very hot. Cut each peach in half and remove the stone. Place the peach halves cut side down on the hot pan and grill until slightly charred. Remove from the pan and place face up on an oven-proof dish. Slice the vanilla pod lengthways and put with the sugar into a mortar. Pound until the vanilla pod is broken up and combined with the sugar. Scatter the vanilla sugar over the peaches and pour over half of the amaretto. Bake for 10 minutes or until the peaches are soft. Add the remaining amaretto and serve hot or cold with a spoonful of creme fraiche. Thank you. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Austin. Amaretto, an Italian liqueur, peaches, grilled. Is that anything to do with any food you grew up with in California? Yeah, so I was born in Anaheim, uh, right near Disneyland. And we used to have these, we used to have trees in the backyard that, that it wasn't, we didn't have peaches, but we had grapefruit trees and we had an orange Mm. tree in the backyard. and, And so like the smell of, of fresh fruit. I remember my mom picking it and us having this fresh fruit in the kitchen and uh, these lemons and grapefruit. and So that's, that's sort of what that made me think of. Did your mom, was she a good cook? She was a, a great cook, and, and especially as the years went on, I remember eating a lot of fish sticks and, you know, things that you'd get in the freezer aisle and uh, little corn dogs that she would make um, because when I was born... She wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and uh, she was a dental hygienist at the time. And then she uh, she ended up starting daycare out of the house, and so she would watch the children of the mothers who taught at the school right right around the corner. That I eventually went to elementary school there, and so uh, so we always had little children in the house, and so I, she she had to make these meals that were really quick and easy. Um, so as a kid, I just remember eating those and tuna fish sandwiches and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and um so nothing really gourmet at all 
And then as the years went on, she became vegetarian and then she became vegan and then she got really into making special things with portobello mushrooms and mm. bell peppers stuffed mm. with couscous or things like that. So she got a little bit more into it later on. But when I was growing up, it wasn't extremely healthy in the house. It was, it was kind of efficient yeah. meals. And but she's probably working so hard. She was working that, so much. And yeah. had, I mean, there was 12 kids in the house sometimes and yeah. all, all different ages. And when I, was, when I started going to elementary school, we lived around the corner from that same school. And I would walk home every lunch. And she'd have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich waiting for me. <laughs> and, uh, and we'd watch uh, this home decorating show called Surprise by Design. Okay. And, uh, and then we'd, we'd come <laughs> up with things that we were going to do around the house. And so we'd, we'd lay a brick path in the backyard or, or um, plant little flowers or that sort of thing. We'd get inspired by this show. And I just remember how excited I was to walk home every day and just eat the sandwich that she made for me. Mm. And, how special that was. That's a beautiful memory, isn't yeah. it? Of your mother making yeah. something for you and going home for lunch. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, would and you have dinner as well? Would you all sit down to yeah. dinner or was that? More? Well, my parents divorced when I was seven. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of my memories go back to that time because it was when sort of the stability of family split up. And my dad moved into this, this person that he worked with. He moved into their garage. And they had sort of a converted garage, and we had a tiny little miniature fridge, and that was that was where we kept all our groceries, and we had air mattresses that we slept on, and we'd put them down at night, and then we'd put them up, and we'd put down a table during the day. And so it was this one room that was our entire house, and it was just this old garage, and there was a treadmill in the corner that was their old treadmill, and, and we would we would make food there and and so we we shared their kitchen but other than that we had sort of the, just this one room and um i started cooking as a kid because with my my dad had he had work and so he would say hey i'll pay you 2 dollars if you cook dinner tonight and so as a way that i could stock up money as a kid was cooking dinner and there was like three staple things maybe and the one of the main ones that i remember is Burritos. We'd make Denison's chili bean burritos, which is this can of beans with some sour cream and cheese. And I haven't eaten one of those in years, but we used to eat that every night. And um, and then a special occasion would be getting a, a five dollar pizza from down the road or something yeah. like that. So those were that was like the idea of a fancy meal was ordering a pizza out yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. Which I think then years later coming to a place like like your restaurant here. Yeah. Going to French Laundry for the first time, or something like that, was was so. Felt I felt so out of my element in a way uh, when I first started going to really nice restaurants because, you know, five dollars sounded like mm. a lot for a meal mm. when I was a kid. Would you do the shopping, or would he order out? Would you? Would we you we would always we'd usually go to Costco when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we we'd get food in bulk and then mm. and make meals out of that. Um, and then at a certain point. I think when I moved, I moved out when I was 17 and I, I started wanting to learn how to make food and wanting to know how flavors fit together. And I, I started making some money. And so I started trying restaurants in LA or, um, and then I worked in New York for the first time. And that was really eye opening because getting, uh, you know, just getting to try great little Italian restaurants and, 
I remember going to Roberta's for the first time, which is this restaurant in Brooklyn that a friend of mine who owned all these restaurants in LA, he said, this is the restaurant that made me want to open a restaurant. Mm. And uh, so going to Roberta's and, and, and trying there, and, and it feels a lot like here where you feel like you're home, you know, you, you enter and I, I realize I have a lot of um, instability in my life. There, there hasn't been a lot of continuity mm. In, in many areas of my life since I was young, um, just because I travel a lot and and even the nature of doing a film or a TV show, you you sort of make a family of the entire crew and then it splits up. And through therapy, I sort of realized that that was that I was almost like reliving my childhood of my parents getting divorced mm-hmm. for you know many years of making a family and then it splits up and you make a family and it splits up and so I, I'd seek out ways of having stability and consistency and most of that for me while on location whether I was in Vancouver or New Zealand or Australia or here in London or wherever I was I, I would I would find restaurants that became my second home right. And I'd, I'd get to the point where I'd go there every day and mm. the staff then knew me and I knew mm. them. And, and suddenly it felt like there was, there was this thing that was separate from my work that felt like home. Yeah. Even if I've woken up with anxiety or yeah. if I feel sad or I feel overwhelmed, I, I go to a restaurant. And I think what you've created here is so beautiful because I feel it here as well. I'll come mm-hmm. here with a book and, mm. you know, and I get to see you and I get to read and I, I know the people who work here and, and and that goes even deeper because you and I have a family relationship beyond yeah. that. I think I always say that in an irregular world we do need regular things. Yeah. And I think even if we have, you know, your life, you know, the way you describe it is very moving and very honest and a revelation of, of who you are. But I think that even if you have a consistency and you have those foundations and you have that life it's still we seek out you know you talk to people about the Sunday lunch people going home for Sunday lunch or Friday night supper Mm. or Christmas the Christmas lunch has to be the same every year and so food does mean that doesn't it it gives you a sense of stability and I always wanted a restaurant to feel like home you know that is a place I'm always amazed that people will come to a restaurant even if they've had a really bad day, you know, or something bad has happened. Sometimes we need it on those days the most. Yeah, that you come... This morning I could hardly leave the house. I just felt anxious for some reason. Yeah, And then I got myself, I just said, you know, I just got to get to the cafe. Yeah. And once you get there, then suddenly there's life around you and it it sort of buzzes and you feel humanity wash over you. and, and And things that are happening outside of your own experience that are... And then, and then you eat delicious food, and that really helps. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Did you eat pizzas in Italy when you went on that trip? You told me that you took a road trip. Yeah, I ate a lot of pizza there. Where did you start? we, we, We took this... One of the best trips I've ever taken was this... I spent a month just road tripping through Italy. What year was and that? That was probably f- four before, years ago or something Elvis. like that. It was before Elvis. Mm. And we started in Milan, drove from Milan to the coast, and went to Portofino first. And I'd only ever spent maybe a week in Italy before this, and that was incredible. And then drove down and went to Cinque Terre and hiked between the little villages and went through the vineyards Did you there. Have pesto? Had pesto. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, the best pesto pasta. Yeah. yeah. Besides yours. That, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can make a better one yeah. than mine. I'm not competitive. No, it was oh incredible. Yeah. And then drove down through Tuscany, drove to Florence and, and did that for a couple of days and drove out to this little bed and breakfast in Tuscany. It was run by this this beautiful Italian woman and her husband and they had two daughters and one of the daughters would play piano in the afternoon and you'd hear it reverberating through the vineyard and and so it was just us and this family and she'd bring focaccia up and, and you'd eat it around the pool in the afternoon and and then uh, and then at night her husband would, would one night he caught a wild boar and so then she made this wild boar and it was just absolutely divine and one of their daughters was dating a young man who was 18 years old, that he was half Israeli and half Italian. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a pilot. And I said, oh, you're a pilot. That's, that's fantastic. And he said, I, and, uh, he said you know, I, I can fly you if you want me to. And I said, wow, I, yeah, I mean, that would be cool. But I thought, I'm not trusting our lives yeah. in this 18-year-old <laughs> kid's hands, you know. And then the next night, his, uh, his mom came to dinner. She was in the Israeli Air Force. And she said, you know, he's actually a very good pilot. And I said, well, you know what? You only live once. I mean, wh- where, where could we go? And he said, you know, I can fly you to Elba. It's where, and, and I thought, well, that's where Napoleon was exiled. Yeah, sure. And you could go to that little island, and that would be really cool. And I said, you know what? Let's do it. Let's, I'll pay for gas. I'll, I'll pay for the plane, whatever we need. And, and so we end, up, we end up getting in the car, and he couldn't drive a car. But he could fly, fly a plane. <laughs> and so we, I drive us all. It's, it's me and my girlfriend at the time and him and his girlfriend. And we, we drive up to Florence. And we end up getting to the, the little, like, separate private area of the airport. And uh, we go through security. And, and then he ends up going to a little garage and by hand pulling out a little four-seater Cessna. Oh so you, you picture this skinny little Italian. It, uh, yeah, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. He pulls this thing out by hand. I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are we doing here? It felt like riding in a go-kart or something. And we get into the plane and go through all the pre-flight checks, and then we take off. And he, and, and then I can't hear him at all. It's static in the headphones. And I see panic over his face. And we, we're in the air now, and we're flying. And I'm thinking, he's the only person that can land this plane. 
and there's panic on his face and I can't hear him and it's static. And then I realized that he, he just couldn't figure out how to switch a certain switch and, and so we couldn't hear each other. And once he figured that out, then peace came upon the airplane. And, and then he told me, you know, it's a very dangerous landing place in Elba because you have to fly in this zigzag shape. And, and so that's, then I'm going, oh God, we're trusting this 18 year old. And we end up zigzagging through the mountains of Elba and, and landing. And, and we got there safely, thankfully. And, and then we, yeah, clearly. And then we, we ate pasta with him and his girlfriend that day for lunch and they flew back. And we stayed and rode around on Vespas and ate pasta at all these different beaches on Elba and went to the vineyards that Napoleon used to go to. And then he came back three days later and picked us up on the plane and we flew back to Florence. And that was, it was magic. So, so the adventure of travel, yeah. the adventure of eating. And it's like over dinner you, you yeah. create these adventures, yeah. you know. Yeah. The culture of a country is so taken through its food. And very often, as I, you know, we, we meet somebody who comes back from a country and we don't ask what museum they went to or, you know, what, what gallery they saw, what church. Well, we do. But, you know, this also tells you so much by them saying, as you've just yeah. described, the food that they ate and the yeah. culture of the dinners or the shooting a boar or catching a fish. or yeah. It's as exciting as getting on a plane, crazily, I might say, by somebody you don't know. <laughs> you know, it's all about curiosity and exploring yeah. and opening ourselves up. And so if we think about, you know, we've talked about food as um, memory, the food that you've had on sets and traveling and, and working and the food that be, connects us all, I suppose. It connects our memories, it connects each other. is a sense of excitement, but it's also a sense of comfort. What would be the food you would probably go to for comfort? I've been away from home for a long time, and as well as the fact that my, my mother's no longer here. Yeah, she passed away when I was 23. And I almost didn't, hadn't put it into conscious thought, but I, I often will, after a big week or if I'm feeling really overwhelmed, I'll make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and that becomes my thing. I made one the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's just that, that comforting sensation. Um, yeah, so that... That's one of my go-to comfort foods, for sure. I'll see you for cards on Sunday night, my dice partner. Yeah, Yeah. I'll see you you then. Thank you. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs> 